Hello, coders. Good afternoon. It is, uh, wow, 120. That's the episode number. Episode 120. Uh, the 21st of October 2021. And today we're going to be talking uh, about the Apple um, Unleashed event. Uh, and, uh, the things that, the thing that I have purchased, uh, but we're also going to dive into some, uh, we've got some housekeeping to do. I've got some news to talk about PHP. Um, and I've got some questions that I want to, uh, answer from the, uh, from you guys, from the YouTube and the, uh, podcast, uh, community. So that's what we're going to do first up. Um, so. I have been working on the new how to code well.fm website. It's not a, um it's not ready yet. It's it's almost almost ready. I've had a couple of devops issues uh but in as I've been working on that site, I've gone through all of the previous episodes and I've tidied it up the titles. Um, I've removed the prefixes, uh, so where it says how to code well podcast, and I've removed things like the, um, the EP for episode and the season number, all of those things. And I've also tidied up the ones before as well. So the earlier, the earlier episodes too. So if you use the how to code well.fm RSS feed, then, uh, you will, uh, see a change in some of the titles of those things. So the website I'm building, it's open source and I'm, I'm, I'm building it live on YouTube and Twitch and it will be released in the, in the coming few weeks, which I'm super happy about. I'll talk about it more at that point. Something I've been doing recently is I've been adding, uh, some, some, uh, polls to Spotify. It's a new feature. Um, and one of the, the polls that I, I created was, have you used SVN before? Because I mentioned SVN in the previous uh, podcast and a hundred percent of you and there was a there was a quite a few of you said no <laughs> so that means that i will not be doing any tutorials on svn because nobody really cares about it um svn is for those that don't know is a very old technology it's how we used to use source control back in the day um now we use uh git so I'll be putting in different polls uh, throughout the shows uh, where I think or touch upon a small topic and I come away from the show thinking, well, maybe I should ask a question to the audience to see whether or not they actually know what I'm talking about or I've used the thing that I'm talking about um, or actually care about the thing that I'm talking about. So we're going to dive into two portions of news, and then I've got some questions and answers to uh, to talk about, and then we're going to go and talk discuss about the Apple uh, event that happened on Monday. Okay, so I've got two portions of news. The first one, they're 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 PHP based news news articles. So the first one is that the Symfony documentation has been updated. So it's the design, it's the layout, it has been updated. And uh, my opinion is mixed. So first of all, um, on the positive, the the homepage of the documentation looks 10 times better than it used to. It's The index page is far more slick, far more usable, far more uh, readable. However, there are a few things that I have spotted some uh, UX issues. These kind of issues are like they're really small, in my opinion, um, and they will be things that get improved hopefully over time. So, for example, um, there are some spacing issues with the ad. I would 
personally prefer to have the ability to go full screen so you can actually see the whole thing um, in in one huge column um, and have the ads sort of on a horizontal row rather than on the left-hand side. Because when you're going and looking at a huge piece of documentation and you've, you've got a handful of ads that go on the right-hand side, you've then got lots of leftover dead space on on the right underneath the ads and i think that could be used better if uh, if the the screen real estate was was used better but i am no design dude i am no sort of creative guy so i you know what do i know what do i know um something that i've always wished symphony had was a search feature in their documentation, something a little similar to perhaps Tailwind uh, CSS search feature. And I was thinking about how this may happen if, if it was, you know, how possible it could be. And um, one idea I had was potentially um, putting the, uh, the, the docu- documentation into Elasticsearch and then searching Elasticsearch. But um there's a lot of DevOps involved there. There's a lot of infrastructure stuff uh, required to that for that. But I think that would be very good because then you could search for, you could even search through the code snippets as well for keywords or whatever. And it would come up with, it would return the articles that are scored the highest because of the frequencies that, um, you know, that you have set in terms of like, you know, is it in the title? Is it in the description? Is it in the code snippet? Um, what is the frequency of, of, of this uh, search term? That kind of, that kind of jazz. You can get quite granular with Elasticsearch. Um, you can tell that I'm a bit of an Elasticsearch geek myself. Okay. So that's the, that's the first piece of news. I think Symphony's done a great job with their documentation. I, I do think it can be improved. Um, but uh, initially I think it's a, a step in the right direction. Um, okay, the second piece of news isn't so happy and light. Um, it's an article that uh, I read um, last week regarding this thing that I never even knew existed. <laughs> However, it just makes sense that it exists, I guess, in a sort of a negative sense. And that is package typo squatting. I mean, I had to look at um, through Google to, to through through Wikipedia to work this out. Typo squatting is is where you have like um, you you misspell something in order to catch people out, and then you you prey upon people's error, human error, and you do things um, maliciously, shall we say, because you've caught them in your trap. Now there is. Um, an article here. I'll, I'll just read a couple of bits. It is an article uh, from Kernel Mode. Okay, kernelmode.blog. I'll leave links of all of these things, including the Symphony documentation, in the show notes when I'm done uh, with the podcast tonight. So this this Kernel Mode uh, blog article, typo squatting malware found in Composer repository. So it's it's quite a big thing. It's quite a big thing. Um, this was discovered uh, by the author on the twenty on the eighth of September, twenty twenty one, as part of a Greenfield project um, that he was doing. He discovered a malicious package in Packageist, which is the Composer Packageist, um, in the main Composer repository. The <laughs> This is so, this is a mistake that I would do. This is where it how it why it got me in the feels. So there is a composer 
package, which is a symphony component called symphony process. And so the way the packages, it's a little bit like NPM, the way the packages are, are split up, you've got the, you've got the organization or the repository, excuse me, and then you've got a forward slash, and then you've got the, the actual package name. So in this case, it's spelled symphony forward slash process. Okay. Well, <laughs> the, the, the malicious package is symphont forward slash process. So they've, they're, they're preying on the fact that you're going to misspell symphony, uh, by not putting in the Y and replacing that with a T. So symphont. Now, for anyone like myself who, uh, suffers from a wee bit of dyslexia. When you read Symfont, you're actually thinking that doesn't actually that that makes sense. That, that's okay. That's fine. You know, that's all right. But you've got the slash there. It kind of looks like the tail of the Y. Okay, so you can see how this can catch people out. Um, anyway, so this is a, a, a case of package typo squatting. It's to target users of that popular Symphony process package that uh, I've just mentioned. This is the gotcha. It was downloaded more than 300 million times, according to this article. Huge amount. And the article goes on and talks about, whoa, 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 uh, talks about, sorry, that was a mouse getting too sensitive. It talks about um, what it does. So after installing the package, a victim would need to create a process instance, which you would normally do if you were using the Symphony process um, package. Uh, so you would create a process instance using the new Symphony process process um, namespace. Symphony process process is a simple class that randomly phones home this is the gotcha it randomly phones home to a website um which is yls333.com forward slash dev.php so even even the url address looks sort of legit in the fact that it's got forward slash dev uh forward slash php um so this is a a, a massive issue <laughs> as you can tell and uh, what happens is it when it phones home, it it takes all of the things in the server global variable and sends it to that website. And so that website now has all the things that the server has, including super um, sorry, including the important details like the IP, the port, the host name of the compromised server, and obviously more because the server variable holds a ton of information. Um, Okay, so uh, the, this uh, this the author here went uh, into more depth in terms of uh, discovering where the domain is registered, and found that it was registered in uh, in in Beijing. Once the bad actor is notified that a site has installed their malicious package, they can then visit the site, passing along a special string in the URL, which is a sort of an MD5 hash, um, and bad things will happen. <laughs> now. Um, he has um, mentioned that uh, the well, the author of this article has mentioned that the, that uh, the author of this malicious package is from China, as I've mentioned, and uh, goes by the name of. Now I'm really terrible at naming uh, names. Hai Hai Hainan Ping. He's located in Gunzu Zhou in China and appears to be an active PHP developer. Now, this is just going by the author. So I've done no more research than this, and I'll leave a link in the show notes uh, below in the description. Um, but 
as you can imagine, this is a massive deal because this, you know, it's sending off your server super global uh, variable to this website. And as, as the document, as the article mentions, it's been downloaded this package over 300 million times. So my advice to anybody who uses PHP and definitely uses Symfony or knows that they're using a library that relies on Symfony, please do get very granular in your in inspecting your packages. There is a command that I will just find. I don't remember it off the top of my head, but there is a, a command that you can run in Composer to list all of the packages and what they depend on. I will find that out and I'll send a tweet or something um, at how to go well on Twitter on how to do that. And you're looking out for, I'll just name it again, this package, sim font, spelt S-Y-M-F-O-N-T forward slash process. If you find that in your project, remove it quickly, um, please. And, um, and you should be good and you should be good. Remove it and then redeploy everything. Um, yeah, this, this goes into more, uh, information in terms of like the hashing and other bits and pieces. Um, and then, you know, some bits of, around the DNS, uh, investigation stuff that, uh, the author has done. I'll leave a link. I won't go into too much detail here, but, the, but, um, I'll leave a link in the show notes after the, uh, after the show. Huh. Right. Now let's get on to some happier things, shall we? Let's get on to some happier things. The first one is, um, well, the, the first three are questions and answers, questions from the, from the audience. So what I've done is I've randomly picked, um, three questions from YouTube com comments over the previous, uh, few handful of videos. And I'm going to answer them now. Um, I have glanced at them. <laughs> So I haven't done a huge amount of research, but uh, we'll, we will see how we go. And I do apologize because I will be saying the names of these commenters and I will probably get them wrong. So the first one is Omar Kandel. Okay. This was a question on the last podcast um, uh, where I mentioned uh, Swole. And uh, Omar's asking, I heard... I heard uh, PHP Swall is faster than Node.js. Now, I don't know that for a fact, so I'm not entirely sure. Uh, but I found React PHP. Which which one should I learn? PH, Swall PHP or React PHP? So these are two things that I don't know. First of all, I don't know whether Swall is faster than Node.js. Um, I guess it really depends on what it is that you, you need to have some sort of um, control test. I mean, saying one language is faster than the other language, it's, it's like saying, well, you know, one car is faster than the other car, but one car could be first faster going around the corners and the other car could be going faster around the straights. You know, you need to have some form of of side-by-side -side test doing the same thing. And those kind of tests are things like, uh, doing l l big loops over things. Um, uh, and, you know, it, one might be faster, one might be memory efficient, you know, just because one is faster than the other doesn't mean that it's better. Um, now, I've never heard of React PHP. Is this a framework? Um, I will do a little bit of digging and find that out. But I'll, I'll be interested to know what that is. React PHP. Uh, I don't know. 
I'm not sure. So I'm going to have to leave that question as a kind of in the air sort of thing. I'll get back to it when I do some more proper research. Okay, number two. Now this is going to be um, this is going this is a difficult name to pronounce. So please, I, I do apologize. Um, I'm just going to call you David. <laughs> this was a a, a question. Uh, that was on a live stream and that's uh, your surname is David. So, you know, let's, let's use that. Um, this was on a, a live stream on my general maintenance. Basically one stream I did a while back was that I wanted to do some maintenance on the howtocodewell.net website. And I just decided to live stream it. And that included upgrades to symphony and other bits and pieces, doing some unit tests and check, you know, making sure the code coverage was decent, all of that kind of, you know, just general maintain, maintaining maintaining the code, making sure versions were up to date, all of that jazz. Anyway, David mentions, um, it's always good to watch someone else else's thought process on something. Thanks. Please, can you do a tutorial on tests, the whole acceptance test, integration tests and all? Now, for those that don't watch the live streams and I, you know, they do go on. So I, you know, I do appreciate that not, not, not everyone's got the time to do, uh, to watch a three hour live stream in those streams. I do do a lot of testing. I do a lot of acceptance testing. I do a lot of integration testing. I do a lot of unit testing. These are when I'm working on the how to code well sites. So how to code well.net and the how to code well.fm sites. Um, I try as hard as I possibly can, although it, it doesn't always work. In fact, it hardly ever works very well, but I try to do TDD. I am getting better, I feel, at TDD, which is test-driven design, which means that I would write my tests first before I actually go ahead and, and write the code. And then I would use the test to then back up that what I've created actually works. And then I would um, refactor that and then retest it and rinse and repeat that kind of jazz. So I'm not sure whether I will be doing like a full on, uh, this is how you test stuff because anyone who jumps into the stream, I will probably be testing stuff there anyway. But what I'm considering uh, uh, doing is I have in the last live stream I was doing, I was actually, um, planning another core, a course that I want to do a programming course that I, I want to do and I want to get it ready for some point in the early next year. And I was building the, the, the GitHub um, repository of a, a template repository of a generic course. You know, these are the readme files. This is the installation file. This is the, or, you know, um, the, the documentation that uh, goes around a project. It's, a, you know, a, pro a project file, a, a project that I would be pushing out on howtocodewell.net. And because these are projects, not your typical courses in the sense that, uh, you know, I'm just going to be teaching you some syntax of PHP or JavaScript. These are actually projects that you can build and use. Um, I do feel like I should approach them like I would approach, another, you know, an ordinary project of mine, which would require unit tests, which would require some form of testing. 
So I'm thinking, I mean, I haven't really formulated the plan well yet, but I'm, what I'm thinking is when I do these courses, I'm thinking of, of providing an element of those courses to testing, to testing that project as the project, project develops. Obviously, what I need to do is build the project, <laughs> build the project, uh, because what I do is I build the course or the project, and then what I do is then rebuild that and video myself doing it. So I know it, I, I already know it works because I've already written the code. That's basically, it's, it's like writing your script, essentially. Um, and part of that would be, you know, testing the, the thing. So um, maybe I will be doing, or maybe, so what I'm trying to say is maybe my projects and my courses that I do next year will have an element of testing to them it won't it's not necessarily going to be like this is how you test things you know in a generic sense it's going to be this is how you test this thing that we're doing and I might be doing a bit of tdd in there you know who knows okay so the next question is from um, a, a long-time listener of ours it's martin958 and this is on my javascript array tutorial uh, or one of them one of my javascript array tutorials and martin asks how are the callback function parameters of um, item colon string index colon number and array colon string in brackets all recognized as keywords. So what you've defined there is a is a function signature or a method signature or a class signature, however you want to look at it, wherever, you know, it's a it's a a language construct that you have uh, identified there. And these are special keywords. Well, they're not key. This is, um, so they're not really keywords. They are method signatures. So let's say, for instance, um, now I'm going to, I'm going to just, um, lean on PHP here, but it's the same in any language. So you would have, um, let's say in array. Okay. Let's say in array, one of the PHP functions, the built-in functions of PHP, it knows that you need a needle and you need a haystack. Um, and it need, and, and your IDE will pick that up. You know, it will tell you, you need a needle and you need a haystack. Um, and I think there's a third parameter as well. And the IDE will know if it's a string, if it's a Boolean, the parameter, because the parameter has been defined by language in the very core parts of the language. Actually, if you go into PHP storm, or if you're a JavaScript developer, um, this question is more centered around JavaScript. If, if you use an IDE that supports the language um, that you're working on and has auto-completion, you can actually use auto-completion. The IDE will know the things that you need to add into those, into those, um, into those function calls, into that method signature, because it, it is aware of the language. Um, and even with, and with PHP, if I think if you press, I think you see the control click or something, you, if you click on the, on the actual, um, method name, you'll, you'll actually go to the documentation of PHP, the, the underlying documentation of PHP, and it'll tell you how the, uh, the, tell you the signature and it'll give you a bit of documentation. It'll tell you what the parameters should be for each one of the, of the, um, or the parameter values of each one of the parameters in that signature. It'll also tell you the return and all of that jazz. So what I'm trying to say is these 
these language constructs are built into the language. Um, I probably shouldn't say keep saying language constructs. I mean, they are functions after all, but th these are in the language. They are defined in the language. Um, and obviously with PHP, you know, it's not PHP isn't written in PHP, of course. So it's the underlying language that is PHP is compiled from. Uh, that is where that goes. I hope those have answered your questions. Uh, I do apologize for the first one, Omar. Uh, I will find out more about React PHP, but uh, in due course. One thing I should mention, though, before we get into the Apple funness, is that uh, the new HowToCodeWell.fm site will, when it gets live, will have a contact page. So not only will you be able to just send me messages on YouTube um, in the comments, but you will also be able to send me uh, an actual email <laughs> and you'll, you know, You'll be able to have uh, questions and suggestions and all of that jazz. There is, of course, howtocodeworld.net forward slash Discord if you, if you prefer using Discord. Um, and you can ask me questions there too. Okie dokie. So Monday was fun. Um, Monday, we, there was a, this little event. <laughs> Just a wee little event that happened uh, at Apple. I have finally done it. I finally pulled the trigger and I finally got myself a MacBook Pro um, to replace the one that I'm currently using, which is, um, I think it's downstairs charging. Um, and the problem I have with my MacBook Pro is that um, it, it maxes out at 16 gigabytes of RAM. That is the underlying problem that I am facing. 16 gigabytes of RAM, it really isn't that um, much. When you start thinking about, you know, all the RAM that everything else uses that isn't the code, so Chrome, so your IDE, so your uh, SQL analyzer, whatever that is, Docker, for instance, it's huge. And then you've got the containers on top of that. You've got all your containers, and I use a ton of containers every day, ton of containers every day. And they are so hungry. Um, I mentioned earlier, elastic search that is incredibly hungry, incredibly hungry. Um, I used to be able to edit my videos on my MacBook pro, but since I don't know, a, a year or so ago, I haven't been able to do that because I, in, in my opinion, I think, um, Premiere Pro <laughs> did an update and basically just my just said my, my machine wasn't good enough. <laughs> and I, I find that I can't scrub on the timeline. Um, so not only am I looking for a new MacBook Pro for coding and um, giving more uh, gigabytes of, of memory to Docker, because at the moment I literally have megabytes left. It really is that bad. Uh, but I'm also looking for a machine where I can actually do video editing. And I was able back in the day when I was doing the Docker, um, Docker in motion course for Manning publications, uh, I was actually editing some of those videos on the train to see a client. Um, that's how efficient I was able to, to, you know, efficiently MacBook Pro was the thing that I had ever since the, the recent updates of the operating system and uh, uh, Premiere Pro. I believe it's a combination of the two. Things started to get really sluggish and slow. And then obviously just the general um, 
accumulation of files and and whatnot and startup applications and stuff really just took a toll on the application. And it got to a point where there were things that I couldn't turn off because I needed them, Docker, for instance. Um, And when I'm doing like the Manning Publications thing, I needed to use Docker at the same time as I was using Premiere Pro. And you can just, and then you would need Chrome open to, um, to, 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 to do your research with and then you had your notes open to do your you know your note taking your script writing and all of that jazz you had slack open because you were talking to the editors and all of that jazz it was you know it was just took my machine to a standstill essentially but i remember a time when that was acceptable i could do that perfectly fine but for some reason over the years it just it just started to die so i was looking for something that was at least 32 gigs of RAM, if not 64 gigs of RAM. Um, I was, I've always been pretty nervous with the M1s because of the support, the, the kind of trade-offs that you have to do, the compromises that you have to make with things like Rosetta 2, and the fact that some of the Docker images um, aren't supported. And there are a, a shopping list of, other things that Docker might not do because of M1, because, the, you know, they will hopefully get to those, fix those issues uh, in time. But um, there's still, let's just say there's still a few, a few teething problems with M1. So I decided that I shouldn't be an early adopter. I, I was seriously thinking about pulling the trigger when the M1 came out and I was really looking at the, the, um, the MacBook Air uh, even though that had 16 gigs of RAM, I, I was thinking, well, you know, because the, it, because it's silicon, it, it'll be more efficient. And therefore, the problems that I'm seeing with my 16 gigs of RAM right now might be something that I won't be seeing with M1. But I decided against it purely because of the 16 gigs of RAM. Um, so, yeah, anyway, I decided to pull the trigger. I actually <laughs> I actually got the highest end uh, machine. It's a 16 gig um, job. Uh, sorry, it's a 16-inch um, M1 Max. I'll talk about it more in, a, in just a second, but let's just go through some of the highlights of uh, what happened. So in my opinion, it would seem like there was two halves of their pro lineup. The first one is what they call power to go, and the second one is supercharged for pros. So from a marketing standpoint, that's interesting. They've, they've, they've seemed to have sort of created this divide. And the first divide is whether you want to be able to have decent amount of power on the, on the, on the go in, in ascension, in a sort of a mobile type esque kind of way, or whether you're supercharged for pros being the fact that you're going to be sort of plugged in to lots of things. Um, and we'll get onto that in just a second. And, uh, you know, you're not going to be moving about into various different coffee shops because of, 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 of this uh, supercharged thing. So some good things that happened, um, the battery didn't shrink, uh, so you can still use them on planes, which is great. Uh, they added, uh, back the ports. So, um, they have added the SD card port, which is just wonderful. It's so good to have that back. Um, and also MagSafe. However, I have some concerns. I'll, I've got some possible concerns that I'll go through after this. Um, they made some trade-offs with weight and size. So typically Apple have always downsized things to make them 
more slicker, which has, in some cases, especially in my version of um, the uh, the Intel-based one, when it starts to throttle, you can certainly um, feel the thermals coming in, and you can hear the fans going nuts. <laughs> so they 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 have compromised and said, well, you know, in order to have this M1 Max, it needs to be thicker and it needs to be heavier, which in my case, in my opinion, I've got no problem with. That seems perfectly fine to me. In fact, it could be as thick as it wants to be. Um, I, I'm not going to lug this around uh, all the time. So that's perfectly fine. And they're, yeah, they're light enough. They're light enough. Um, they added 1080p to the webcam, which is something that, that uh, should have happened ages ago. <laughs> In my opinion, they make some really good mobile phone cameras. So I don't understand why they can make something that small, that good, and then have a laptop and not be able to put that in that laptop. So they did that, but it comes with a notch. Now, I'm really not fussed with the notch at all. It doesn't really bother me. You don't get less of a screen. You actually get more of a screen. If you think of it like, um, you, so it's a 16 by 10 screen, regardless of that notch. And if you think of the left and the right sides as kind of like ears to the notch or ears to the screen, if if that makes sense, um, it'll be interesting to know how the, especially with Premiere Pro, where you've got the, a, a big... Um, uh, list of 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 menu bar items. It'll be interesting to see how that pans out with it. And I mean, I've mentioned Premiere Pro a few times. I'm actually thinking of just pulling the plug and going with uh, Final Cut um, because um, I think Final Cut will be better for uh, for video editing in the sense of it work. It will be working f- with the silicon more better in my opinion than premiere pro it would it always feels like premiere pro is having to uh, keep up whereas final cut seems to be there off out the gate um however there's going to be a lot of a lot of relearning with that of course um <laughs> okay so um the pros still come with fans which is perfectly fine in my opinion you know if they're, they're huge uh, machines if they want to turn the fans on that's perfectly fine i don't care about fan noise it's fine um they've got the magsafe and usb-c charging um so that's cool uh the the max allows for seven streams of 8k video so i mentioned earlier about video production that i do um i guess one thing that i haven't done in a while is a lot of videos a lot of tutorials and this is partly because the machines that i've got don't allow for that kind of um, compute power unfortunately however this machine will that i've got uh, because it's the max it has the 400 gigabyte memory bandwidth it allows for four monitors to be connected which is nuts so that'll be good um it also the these things also have uh, better magic keyboards uh, and touch id has touch and uh, you know the touch bar has gone but touch id is still there which is awesome which is awesome. Um, you can also get the the M1 Pro, sorry, the M1 Max. Ugh, the naming conventions are mad. The MacBook Pro M1 Max. You can also get that in the 14-inch. However, I'm not sure how that's going to compare to the 16-inch because of the surface area of maybe the thermals. I don't know how that 
that will uh, throttle um, compared to the 16. Um, so yeah, I decided to go for the, the, the big caboodle. It's a 16 inch, it's 10 core CPU, 32 core GPU, 64 gigs of unified memory. And I've decided to go for a four terabyte jobby, um, hard drive because, um, I saw this as a great video editing machine. So I am hoping to do some more editing on that. And I think because it's uh, the laptop form factor, it does offer itself to doing some work, not inside this office, which is, is great. I'm really looking forward to doing that again, which is good. Um, there are some concern. I have concerns with this. I mean, it's, it's not all rainbows and sunshine. So the first one is that, um, my first M1 MacBook, this is my first M1 MacBook. This, you know, this is, this is, new uncharted territory for me. So I, I didn't go for the new, the, the M1 when it came out, I waited, I waited in the weeds to, um, work out what they were coming out with next. Cause I, I just didn't trust it. Um, and I'm not a hundred percent sure what arm support, um, the, the certain Docker images that I use and I use a lot will have with M1. I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, that that's something that I'm going to have to test and try out, but I will report back what images do work and what images don't work. The problems that I've had with Rosetta two and all of that jazz, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a fun few, uh, learning curve, uh, you know, a good few, few months. Um, I'm not sure how the battery will handle both USB C charging and MagSafe charging. Um, so I connect my, my current, macbook pro to my dell my ultra wide dell monitor here and that automatically charges the macbook pro and it it can be a bit of a problem because you don't want to keep charging something when it's 100 percent charged um i wish there was a way of actually telling this monitor hey stop charging now just 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 receive data stop stop sending power to this thing um so i'm interested to know how how the Mac, the, the MagSafe, um, and the USB-C charging will work. It's this machine can connect to four monitors, the 16 inch jobby, the, the, the max job. Whereas the, the pro can only connect to three, I believe. But does that mean that these, the, all of these monitors will charge the, the, the laptop or will it, will it, um, prioritize certain USB ports? that are connected to certain power outlets, whether they're actually, you know, power outlets or whether they're actually monitors that give off power. Will they, will they, will they be intelligent enough to go, actually, we're only going to get it from, from this source. We're not going to get it from other sources. Um, because I, I don't want to ruin this laptop. I, I see this as a four year plus workhorse of mine. So I really do not want to screw up the battery just because I've plugged it into m multiple monitors. Um, yeah. So, so talking about why did I get this machine in the end, it's because of video editing and my resource hungry Docker containers, as well as future proofing. So I, I want to see this as a four plus year work, uh, workhorse. And I can finally edit videos again on my laptop, um, which opens up lots of different workflows for me, which is brilliant. Uh, going back to my possible 
concerns we mentioned about the uh, the the architecture for docker images and uh, i've also mentioned a couple of times today about the other things that um docker needs to uh work through for the m1 um and the battery there's also a concern i've got around rosetta 2 i've never used it i've heard of people having to do various different tweaks and changes and remind themselves of when they're using a Rosetta 2 app and when they're not and all that jazz. So I don't know what tools that I'm currently using. I'm not sure what would what uh, requires Rosetta 2. I'm hoping that because the M1, and this is partly why I didn't jump on the M1 bandwagon right at the start, I'm hoping that it's been around for so long that actually the majority of the tools that I use are uh, compatible. That's my hope. Um, okay, how does the SSD support Docker file systems? So the SS SSDs are far better in terms of bandwidth and write speed compared to what they used to be. And I'm interested to know how that affects the Docker file system. Uh, if you have ever used Docker with a Mac, you'll know that uh, the file system is not as good as Linux um, at all. And there's a ton of problems I, 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 I do get where I have to just, you know, restart the container and or restart the Docker machine or whatever I'm doing because the file system on my Mac hasn't updated the file system in the in the in the Docker system file uh, area quick enough. Um, and that, that can be a problem when you're working on codes, you know, snippets of, of files or uh, an area that, that I do get sometimes is when I'm doing a big composer install and I've got my IDE open and my IDE is trying to index these files as they're being um, installed by the Docker container. And so the files are going into the Docker container. They're also bind mounted onto the file system. And my IDE is trying to index them whilst this is all happening. You know, it, it can get into a bit of a tiz. But because these SSDs are far faster to read uh, and also the bandwidth of the, the memory bandwidth is far greater. We're talking here, you know, um, the max is 400 gigabyte memory bandwidth. Um, what kind of effect does that have on file system read and writes. Uh, okay. And also will the delivery get pushed out due to uh, shortages now, because I chosen the four terabyte version of it, not the standard. I think it was five twelve, I, I believe because I, I, I chose the four terabyte and not the five twelve megabyte job. Uh, I have to wait <laughs> for it to be built and then shipped. And I am probably looking at the second, but more than likely the third week of November for it to arrive. So that's going to be a fun little, little thing for me to, to, to do <laughs> when it comes. Um, but I can't wait for it. I really can't. And I'm hoping that this will enable me to do a lot more content for the how to code well, YouTube channel, um, youtube.com forward slash how to code well, if you don't know, um, <laughs> and, uh, do some of these projects and these courses that uh, I, I've got planned for. So yes, this is good. Now I, I want to end this by saying that you do not need this machine to write code. It's certainly not. I am a video editor as well as a coder and the, the sort of the niche that I'm in, in terms of coding requires a lot of resource. It's a lot of really hungry and I own my business. Um, I'm a contractor 
and I cannot go to somewhere and say, oh, I'm sorry, I don't have enough hard drive space. Or, oh, I'm sorry, I can't run this because my mem- I don't have enough memory. So this is where my business hat comes on and goes, well, what are the things that I could possibly get myself into in four years time? What are the, the requirements of these things? And 64 gigs of RAM might seem huge. Um, and it is, and it is, but it's, it's all the, all the other things around the stuff that I do. Um, like the, like I said, the Chrome tabs, the IDE stuff, um, envision you know all of the stuff that is just so resource hungry um various npm installs that i have to do lots of scripts that i have to run i have scripts that i run literally overnight <laughs> because they take so long um so all of this if i can do a little bit faster than then i will be it will enable me to do more um but if you are just starting out if you are just starting out as a developer Seriously, you don't need this. You do not need this. I started out, um, I had an Acer laptop and I was using it until the hinges fell off of the, uh, of the screen. And I also had a Toshiba laptop. I was a Windows guy for a long, 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 long time. I then learned a bit of Linux and then I learned, uh, well, I started on Mac I built a couple of Mac apps um, back in the day, and uh, I've been a Mac stroke Linux user ever since. And um, the the job that I, I have, um, as I mentioned, has a lot of containers that are very resource hungry, plus I'm a video editor, hence the huge amount of disk space that I've got myself. <laughs> um, so yes, that's how I'm justifying it to my wallet. <laughs> Anyway, thank you ever so much for watching. Happy coding, everybody. And I will be seeing you again very, very shortly. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheers.